What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? The Washington Nationals are World Series champs. Our man Rob Duran joins me to put a bow on the 2019 postseason and to take a look at the upcoming free agent market. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get right to it. Rob Duran, Jeff Fennell, Sports 360. Joining me once again on Sports 360 is Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports, and we're here with a World Series wrap-up and a look toward the offseason. Rob, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, glad to have you back, man. Um, I guess we're a week out, I guess, from the World Series. Um Hats off to the Washington Nationals, the 2019 MLB World Series champions. Um, great, great series, I thought. Um, but I'm going to kick it over to you first, man, to because um, you know you were talking about this might go seven games, um, you know, before the series even started, and it went seven, but probably didn't go even the way you thought it might go. But what were your thoughts overall? I thought it was a great, great series, two great teams, and um, a little bit of two different storylines for both teams where we expected Houston to be there. And, you know, their biggest rival was the Yankees in the in the American League. They beat them, obviously, made the World Series. Nobody was really shocked about that. Uh, but the Washington Nationals, starting off the season, I believe they started 19-31, and 31, which is either tied or the worst record in baseball at the time. And to see their season just progress and they get better and better as the season went on, um, even towards the end, we were talking about how, you know, they kind of fell off a little bit from that wild card spot. But to do what they did towards the end of the season and beat, they probably had the toughest road in the playoffs of any team that was in it, having to beat Milwaukee, who was scorching hot, and just, you know, beating the Dodgers, the juggernauts of the National League. And, you know, they beat Houston in the World Series. Not enough can be said about the the team and what Dave Martinez did with that team, rallying the troops and all that stuff. And, you know, and I think that's the big thing for the Nationals. They lose Bryce Harper in the offseason, and nobody knows what to expect from this team moving forward. Yet here they are standing today as World Series champs for the 2009 season and 2019 season, I'm sorry. And, you know, with Houston – we expected them to be there, and, you know, the series didn't disappoint in my eyes. I, I obviously thought Houston would win. I thought, you know, between Verlander and Cole, it would it would be hard to beat that team and beat those guys multiple times, but the Washington Nationals found ways to win, it's especially late in games, and it was just a great series overall. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the series and you know like you I thought that the Nats um 
would you know would fall to Houston. I thought Houston would would win the championship. Um, and obviously they were right there, right at Game Seven. Anything can happen. Um, but the, you know, kudos to the Nats. I mean, they they did the job, and you know they they deserved the championship. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, weird series, right? With you know the home team you know, getting shut out, not winning one game, right? Um, th- that was weird. Uh, who would have thought something like that would have happened? Um, but I-, I thought some really compelling uh, games. I thought it was, you know, very exciting to watch. Um, and the Nationals, man, just showed great resiliency throughout the series, Um you know, uh, and in in coming back after losing those three games at, at at home, and then coming back in the actual you know games in Houston, a lot of grit, a lot of determination, um, and you know you have to be happy for them. Even as a Mets fan, you know, with Washington being in the National League East, you tend not to root for a division rival, <laughs> but. Um, I, you know, I like Houston. I like a lot of their players, but I found myself kind of rooting for the nationals, um, despite them being a division rival to my New York Mets. But so I'm happy for them. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I think it was a great world series. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great all around. And we got, we got to see players that we may not see all the time on the national side. Um, you know, like Juan Soto, we knew he was good, but he stepped up on this on this big stage, and we saw his swag and just his youthful nature just take over and electrify that team and electrify the crowd, even on the road. And um, you know, just it was just great to see Strasburg just continue his postseason dominance, and my guy Howie Kendrick coming through in the clutch constantly. Hmm. It was just it was great to see see the Nationals and the way they just they just mesh together and we're able to rally each other up. Yeah, you you mentioned two guys I just have to piggyback on. One is Strasburg. You know, I thought from the very first pitch of the postseason, Strasburg was, you know, he he demonstrated that he was on he was on point. And yeah, I mean he just he he was great. I mean he was just phenomenal. Um, and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about free agency in a little bit, but um, I believe he made the absolute right choice in opting out of his deal, even though yep. he have, you know, he had four years and a hundred million dollars left. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, but, but he was phenomenal and I totally agree with you on Juan Soto. I mean, I, I you know, Soto came here on, on the biggest stage and he brought his talent. He brought his swag. He he brought his you know uh, enthusiasm, his his youthful exuber, exuberance. I mean, he's 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 the next big thing. And um, you know, I, again, he's in a division with my Mets. But at the same time, you know, I'm at that stage, man, where I just appreciate excellence. And yeah. I think he's an excellent ball player. And uh, you know, you, if you're a baseball fan, you you, you want to see a guy like Juan Soto um, out there doing his thing, even if he's on, you know, a rival team. 
Yeah, I have to agree with that. He's just one of those guys that he's what baseball needs to kind of bring in the younger crowd and energize the sport. Like, he's the type of guy you need for that. And, um, you know, obviously Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. That's that's not debatable, but at least in my eyes. But Juan Soto, the, you know, just what you said, the energy he brings, the youthful nature is just – that's something so – Fresh, like it's like a breath of fresh air for baseball to see, and to be able to have that in the World Series and throughout the postseason, and him be successful while doing it. So it's not just like he's, you know, showing up and not producing. He was doing both, and that's something that's just something great for the sport in general. Yeah, and you know, and on the flip side, you know, we talk about exuberance and, and, and those types of things. And, and baseball needs that, you know? And, and so you, you're happy to see a guy like Soto. And I think you're right. Baseball needs more Juan Sotos and hopefully more are on the way. Um, what baseball doesn't need more of is what, you know, in my opinion, is what we saw from Alex Bregman. Now, look, Alex Bregman is an excellent ball player. You know, he's in the, you know, he's one of the finalists for MVP this year, right? Um, just a, a, a great all around player. Um, but one of the things that I started to see last year uh, in the series with the Boston Red Sox, and, you know, I sort of watched him throughout this year. And I think there's a little bit too much, you know, there's a little bit too much hot dog in him. And I thought that, you know, that home run that he hit where he carried the bat down the first base, it's like, come on, man, you're better than that. I mean, you know, this is a guy who hit 41 home runs in the regular season. You hit a home run, act like you've done it before, man. You know what I mean? Like, come on. You can't pimp every home run. My gosh. And I thought that got a little bit carried away i understand it's the world series maybe i'm old maybe i'm not i don't know but to me and look any to his credit he even said so after that game that he shouldn't have done that you know um yeah. those types of things but here's the thing do you remember when um hunter strickland waited like two years before he drilled bryce harper because yeah. in the in the playoffs i think strickland was with the dodgers maybe um Harper like pimped a home run on him. Well, yep. I don't know where Strasburg or if Strasburg and um, Bregman's paths will cross again, but if they do, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know Strasburg remembers. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Baseball players have the best memory. <laughs> and we saw that a lot too with CC Sabathia in Tampa over the over the past few years. So right. I wouldn't be shocked either with Strasburg. And you know, maybe he won't hit him, but a little chin music wouldn't hurt. But yeah, with Bregman, over the past probably year or so, he's he's been, I guess, very cocky about the way he plays the game. And that's not to take away how great he is, because he is truly one of the best young talents there is one of the best players overall in baseball, one of the best third basemen. And we saw what he could do. He's very versatile. He played short when career was out as well. But, um, you know, I'm all for the bat flips and all that stuff, but just carrying the bat down, I thought it was a bit much as well. So it's definitely not, you know, a generational thing. <laughs> You're definitely not too old, Jeff. So 
so you're good. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> I thought it was a bit much myself, but um, like I said, I'm all for the backflips and you know, hyping up your team, hyping up the crowd and stuff like that. But when you carry your bat down all the way to first base, you know, it's a bit much. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and look, Houston overall, man, I, I think still has, you know, one of the most impressive young, you know, uh, group of, of players in the game. You know, when you look at Springer, um, Bregman, um, Alvarez, Correa, you know, I mean, they, they just really have, you know, um, you know, some dynamic players and you, you would think they'll be back again. Um, you know, Cole, uh, hitting the free agent market. Um, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I saw a headline today where, you know, the owner of the Astros said, don't count us out. We're going to take a real run at Cole. Um, and there'll be a long line for Cole services. Um, but you, you have to feel one way or the other. Houston will be right back in the thick of things, um, next year. Um, Hey, you know, it's the other thing, Rob, that, that I want to say uh, about the World Series and, and why I was glad the Nats won. Because the Nationals were the oldest team out there, right? You know what I mean? And they have, what, that, yeah. I think they had 18 and 19 guys who uh, who were 30 years old or, 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 or older. And, you know, you got some guys who aren't sabermetric darlings. You know what I mean? You know, Zimmerman. Your boy Kendrick, um, you know, as Jubal Cabrera, these aren't guys who make you know the analytics numbers pop, but yet this team of 30 somethings, right? In, in, in an era where baseball says once you turn 30, 31, 32, you know, we're putting you out the pasture, I was yep. glad to see this veteran team not driven by sabermetrics win and and in fact beat a team that actually does put a lot of emphasis on analytics so as an old fogey and as a one of those guys who still like the back of the baseball card statistics i'm glad the nationals won for that reason as well that's a good point i i didn't even think about that to be honest and that's a great point that you make there because we all know baseball is analytics at this point and we see teams hiring you know, a bunch of, I don't want to call them nerds, but a, a bunch of number guys, um, just bringing them in, bringing them in, bringing them in, guys who don't have baseball experience. And to see a team like the Nationals kind of do the opposite and be world champions, it's it's great to see. It shows that that side of baseball that we grew up watching and loving is not completely dead and it's still there. And it works. Sure does. I mean, and, you know, and the Nats have their – First um, world championship. Um, hey, before going into the free agent market, um, Carlos Beltran, hired by the New York Mets as their new manager. And obviously, you know, we, we've, we're seeing some things right now in Major League Baseball. I remember there was a time when clubs were you know, hiring all these retreads, you know, guys who manage two or three times. 
Jack McKeon kept getting jobs. You know what I mean? Um, who's the guy who used to um, manage the Pirates? Jim Leland. You know, yep. he he kept getting opportunities, you know. And baseball seemed to recycle managers. There was a time when they were doing that. Now it's it's the other way, right? They're bringing in fresh talent. And you're starting to see players, former players, many of whom don't have any managerial experience. And yet, they're, they're you know, they're becoming major league managers. And so, you know, whether it's Brett Boone, Rocco Bardelli, Alex Cora, uh, Dave Martinez, um, you know, now Carlos Beltran, and look, and even Dave Roberts, right? But, you know, you're starting to see that. And um, I think there's some economics involved. I think, you know, they're not paying these guys a lot compared to back in the day when they had to pay Tory and Socia and and Bruce Bochy. Those guys were making five, six, seven million dollars. They're not paying managers that much these days, but they certainly are bringing in former players, many of whom haven't managed before um, because these others that I just mentioned have had some real success. Um, What do you think about the Beltran hiring? When I heard the news and I actually heard that he was being interviewed for the job, I was happy for it because I think Beltran is a great fit for that Mets team. Um, we saw when he was with Houston and even before that, when he was with the Yankees, with Texas, and, you know, towards the end of his career, he took on that player-manager role. And he really took on, you know, the leadership and kind of being the extra bench coach for these teams. And, you know, the past couple of years, he's worked in the Yankees front office with Cashman. So he's gotten that firsthand experience of how to manage a baseball team, how to run a team, and things of that nature. So I think his hiring – for that Mets team. And frankly, I think he'd be a fit for a lot of other teams as well. But I think what he can bring to the game and um, just like the knowledge he has, you know, he played for a very long time. He's seen a lot of things. He's seen the game evolve and change, and he's been successful. He was successful for a long time, you know, with the game changing and everything. I think he was a great hire for the Mets. I think, you know, obviously what you're saying, you know, Maybe they're not paying these guys as much, and that's why we're seeing a lot of newer uh, managers come into the game, former players and things like that. But I think Beltran, what he can bring to the table, just being a, a you know, type of manager to manage players correctly and teach them the game and the fundamentals of the game and all that stuff, I think he'd be great. I think he's great for the Mets, and I think it's the best move they could have made. And I know a lot of talk was about Joe Girardi going there, but um, I kind of like Girardi with the Phillies, where he is now. but. The Mets made a great move, I think, in hiring Carlos Beltran. And I think they're going to see the fruits of that, you know, when the season starts through spring training and just the consistency, I think, that he's going to bring to that team that the Mets have lacked over the past few years. And when you, and when you think about it, Rob, again, with this recent trend of hiring relatively young former players, there's been a lot of success, right? Yep. Brett Boone has been successful. Rocco Baldelli, his first year, very successful. Alex Cora, his first year, won a world championship, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Martinez just won the World Series. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think clubs are looking at this. And, you know, sports, 
you know, you see a lot of copycatting going on, right? If if something is, is working and appears to be successful, then more and more teams are going to do it. And I think that's what we're seeing now. And they're saying, you know what? Maybe the old crusty manager is not what we need to reach today's players and get the most out of them. You know, let's get someone that's maybe, you know, closer to their generation. And, you know, when you look at the results, um, it seems like these younger managers, even those without any prior experience, are getting the job done. So, um, you know. And I think it's bigger than just the analytics, and a lot of people will point to that where, you know, these new managers are very mindful of the analytics. I think it's bigger than that. And um, I think it has more to do with the connection they're able to bring to players because they played this game for such a long time. I agree. Whether they're Hall of Fame caliber players or not, you know, just the experience of going through the minor league system, coming up and experiencing major league, you know, the major league atmosphere, that makes a huge difference in that clubhouse when you know that your manager knows exactly what he's talking about because he's been there, done that. I agree. I, I think that makes a difference as well. So, um, you know, I, I'm hoping for the best. Obviously, again, as a Mets fan, um, you know, uh, and I've always liked Carlos Beltran. Um, and so hoping for the best there. But um, let's switch gears for a second. Talk a little bit about free agency. Um, overall, what what are what are the things in the players that you're keeping your eye on? as we enter into what hopefully will will actually be a hot stove. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are you keeping your eyes on? Well, obviously, Garrett Cole is the big fish. And I think I don't see a lot of players signing until him and Strasburg finally make a decision. And like you said, I'm hoping this doesn't drag out like it has the past couple of years. But one of the names that may not be talked about as much and I'm really interested to seeing where he will go, is Zach Wheeler from the Mets. Mm. He has a lot of comparison to Garrett Cole when he was in Pittsburgh. As far as a pitcher who you know he's good, he has the stuff, but maybe hasn't tapped into that unlocked potential yet. So I'm really interested to seeing where he goes. I think he'd be an option for Houston if they miss out on Cole. I'm looking at the Yankees maybe going after him. He's a cheaper option than Cole and Strasburg will be. But, again, he fits a lot of these teams that can help him unlock that, you know, that little bit of potential that maybe he couldn't find with the Mets. And, you know, I wouldn't rule out a reunion with the Mets. I know maybe they're looking at more bullpen help because they do have Stroman there that they didn't have to start last season. So, you know, with Beltran on board, and I wouldn't rule that one out, rule that one out completely, but I'm really interested to seeing where Zach Wheeler ends up. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if I would venture a guess today, I would think his Mets career is over um, and that he'll find, you know, some greener pastures and greener in, in, in terms of that do-re-mi that he's going to make because he's going to get paid. Um, so, uh, you know, but he is, you know, as a as a Mets fan, I hate to see him go, but I, I'm prepared to 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 you know, having life, Mets life without Zach Wheeler going, going forward. Um, but, you know, there are some, some, you know, some interesting players who are out there 
you know, as as well and position players. And and for me, number one is is my man Anthony Rendon. We didn't even talk about him when we were talking about the World Series, but man, to my big hits, clutch. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, and and just a quiet professional man. He's like a quiet assassin. You know what I mean? He just goes up there, and he's just going to let his bat and his glove in the field do the talking. I think, you know, Rendon is obviously someone um, that I'm keeping my eye on and see what happens. From what I understand, uh, you know, some of the some of the talk coming out of D.C. is that the Nats can't re-sign both guys, Rendon and Strasburg. And if they had to pick one, they'd pick Rendon, you know, so that they can have that Rendon-Soto duo for the foreseeable future. Um Interesting, um, because I don't think they can afford to lose a guy like Strasburg because Scherzer has shown the body could be breaking down a little bit. And, you know, you do have Corbin, but you know what I'm saying? Like, what else do you have as far as the rotation goes? So the Rendon situation is interesting to me, whether or not he returns to the Nats or goes someplace else is something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I think this is, this is the offseason that maybe the front office was thinking of when they let Bryce Harper walk. And the fact that they had, you know, Victor Robles and Juan Soto, you know, in the outfield to kind of mitigate that loss of Harper. But it will be interesting to see if the Nationals, now they're, they're big on their deferred money with contracts like they did with Scherzer. So it'll be interesting to see if they can sign both players and how they will maneuver the contracts around. But it's it'll be tough because, like you said, Scherzer was hurt this year with the back injury, and we even saw that in the World Series. The guy couldn't even get dressed, and you know he was out there because he got the cortisone shots or whatever it was. But it'll be either loss if they lose Rendon or Strasburg is going to be huge because losing Strasburg in that rotation, you know, completely changes around the dominance that that pitching staff has. But then losing Rendon's bat and his, you know, his quiet leadership and just how clutch he is as a player on both sides of the ball, that's that's not something you can just replace. So, you know, you're right. Losing Rendon and seeing what happens with his with his status as a free agent, that's definitely a, a big move and something to keep our eyes on. And Rob, you know, another thing that I believe is going to be a big story in this off season doesn't even involve a free agent. And that's Mookie Betts and whether the Red Sox end up moving him. Um, The price tag is going to be extraordinarily high for any team that looks to acquire Mookie Betts. But, you know, all the headlines are pointing toward the Red Sox actively exploring, moving, you know, last year's MVP. So um, what do you think about that? I hope he gets traded today and we don't have, and the Yankees don't have to deal with him ever again. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, J.D. Martinez opted in to his contract, so he stays. Obviously, David Price, huge contract. They just gave Chris Sale and Xander Bogarts big money. And going into this offseason, the Red Sox want to shed payroll. 
So, you know, Mookie Betts obviously a free agent after this season, after the season coming up. The question is, is there are there going to be any takers for any of those other big contracts? And I would imagine no. Because do you take a chance on a David Price that's obviously in decline and has, you know, his body's breaking down as well with multiple injuries over the past couple of years? And um, not only that, but the Red Sox farm system is not what it used to be because um, the former GM, Dave Dombrowski, pretty much gutted the farm to build the championship team from last year. So the option is, do we sign Mookie Betts and forget about slashing payroll and not trade the face of our franchise right now? Or do we rebuild or retool this team around the package that we could get for him? You know, his value is at an all-time high. I don't think he's going to decline or at all this year, whether he's with the Red Sox or not. His numbers are going to be there. He's going to continue to play and stay healthy and just be the, the you know, the good character he is. Because not only is he a great player, but you don't hear any problems with him. There's no negative headlines with him at all. So he's a model citizen and a great player. So, you know, from a Yankees perspective, I hope he's gone. But just from just looking at the dynamic of what the Red Sox are trying to do moving forward. Do you see that team in a position where they can compete for a World Series next year as currently constructed, or are they still a few pieces away with the bullpen and even with the starting rotation? And is Mookie Betts the answer to get those questions answered? And I think that's what the Red Sox are looking to explore, you know, um, because I think they they do believe – he will bring back a haul um, in both, you know, current major league talent and prospects. Um, and, you know, they, they do need to make some upgrades. They they yeah, do the, need to make some upgrades. And the biggest challenge with Mookie is he's probably not going to sign an extension with anyone if he gets traded this offseason. So that also lessens the package that the Red Sox would get in return. So that's another big risk that the Red Sox have to face. And to be honest, Jeff, I'm glad I'm not in that front office right now trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do with my best player and whether I should trade him or not and not get the return that maybe I would get, you know, and not to say that they should have traded him a couple of years ago, but had they traded him a couple of years ago with a few more years on his deal, the, the return would have been much greater. So uh, it's going to be a hard – gut-wrenching uh, off-season for Red Sox fans. Yeah, and you make a very good point because in terms of, you know, what teams would may be willing to give up for him, you know, be- believing that he's not going to sign long-term. Um, I think Mookie Betts will play out his, you know, his next season and then go into free agency. And I think that's exactly what he should do. And so if I'm a team right now and the Red Sox, you know, uh, trying to engage me in, in trade discussions, I'm not willing to part with that much. I may roll the dice. And if I feel that I'm a player or could be a player in the free agent market after the 2020 season, I might just wait for bets to hit the market. Yep. I agree. Like a team, a team that I think of is even the Mets, for example. A team like the Mets could benefit from having Mookie Betts 
but do you really want to give up so much for maybe not having him after next year and just giving away more prospects and not having him for next year, and then he just walks and goes to St. Louis or even ends up with, you know, with Atlanta or something like that in the offseason. So it's tough because I think that's going to drive away a lot of suitors for bets is the fact that, and I agree with you, he should play out this year and seek the big money, seek the big dollars and the years and everything he can because he's deserved it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, if if I would have to venture, I guess, um, I, I think I think – you're going to have to get used to seeing Mookie Betts uh, in a Red Sox uniform. Sorry um, for you and your Yankees. <laughs> I think he'll be in a Red Sox uniform to at least start the 2020 season um, because I think the price is going to be very high, and I'm not sure how many teams are going to be willing to pay the price, even for a dynamic, transcendent talent like Mookie Betts. Um but it's it certainly is one of the intriguing storylines um as we move into the uh into the uh, into the off season so um we'll keep an eye on that man we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on it um um so listen man uh look uh, i i think baseball had a good season I, I really do. Um, I, I do think baseball has some problems, though, and maybe next time we can talk about this as we, um, you know, look at the hot stove and, and and those types of things. But, you know, when we talk about, for example, Rob, that baseball had, you know, four 100 win teams and, you know, the Nationals won over 90 games and Cleveland won over 90 games and Tampa and Oakland won over 90 games. And like, wow, look how good these teams are. Look how good these teams are. There's a flip side to that coin. Because if those teams are winning all those games, they're beating somebody. And that means there's a whole bunch of teams that's losing a lot of games. And so we have a lot of hundred lost teams too. And that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And it kind of takes away the competitive balance of the game. And I know we've spoken about this in the past as well. Just, you know, I think it's it's inflated the amount of wins certain teams have because of that. Because each division, it seems like, has an automatic 100 lost teams. You know, we have Baltimore. We have Detroit and, and Kansas City in the, in the Central. And then Seattle in, on, on, in the West on the AL side. And it just keeps going on on the, on the other side too. It's just, it's crazy how many teams are, it feels like not trying. And you don't see any hope for some of these teams moving forward where they don't have, you know, the talent to, oh, well, maybe in a year or two they'll be better. You don't have that hope. <laughs> so it's like, what are these teams actually doing? Are they just kind of playing out the season because they know, oh, well, the Yankees, Astros, they're going to be there. Oh, well, the Braves and all, you know, these other teams, are good. they're going to be there. So there's no point in trying. But it's it's kind of a shame to see these teams and these fan bases kind of have to suffer through teams giving them the, oh, we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding, when it doesn't feel that way based on what the moves are going on, what moves are happening in the offseason and things like that. It's a real shame because it's something that I don't know how baseball can fix it 
but something has to be done to kind of change that that dynamic and that mindset of these teams that are obviously clearly tanking. Big problem. A big problem um, in baseball right now. Um, so, yeah, good season, good teams. You know, I, I, I thought a good postseason, but baseball definitely still has some problems with, you know, the competitiveness of of the leagues and we'll see what happens, but, you know, to have teams like Baltimore and Kansas city and, you know, the Miami Marlins and, you know, that's, that's not good for the game. So um, we'll see a lot of work, a lot of work to do. Hey, before we go, I got to give a shout out too to David Ross because he also got hired um, another former player, you know, no managerial experience hired as the new Chicago Cubs manager, um, know his agents real well. And so I want to make sure I don't want them getting on me saying, how come I didn't mention David <laughs> Ross? So <laughs> so we'll, we'll put David Ross in that mix as well. But um, all right, Bob, listen, man, great to catch up with you. Um, let's stay in touch as we go forward in this off season, you know, as um, hopefully we, we, we have some activity on the free agent front and, you know, we have some awards coming out um, over the next couple of days. So we want to keep our eye on those as well. And maybe we'll come back and, you know, put a bow on all of that once all of the awards have been announced, but um, uh, great talking to you, man, and look forward to catching up with you as we, go deeper into the off season. Yeah, definitely. I hope we have some, some big news fast and we don't have to wait all the way till to the springtime to break some news. Nah, man, let's have some NBA style free agency, man, where people just start signing. <laughs> the NBA was crazy this, this summer. <laughs> How could you have a $164 million deal 10 seconds into free agency? <laughs> <laughs> basketball got to do something about that. Come on, who are you fooling? You can't have 50 deals being done in the first 10 minutes of free yeah, agency. That's wild. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, baseball shouldn't have to wait until February and March to sign their free agents. Let's go, baseball. Let's go. So, um, We'll keep an eye on it, Rob. But again, great catching up with you. And I look forward to catch, uh, talking with you real soon. All right, man. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. Take care.